1: Well, good morning, upstate. Almost afternoon. Lunch is on the horizon. This is the Vince Coakley radio program. Vince will be back tomorrow. Of course, you know, it's it's just me. Just me. Just me. Ingalls Market's talk line is 1-800-347-1063. The common sense retirement text line is 71307. Text line is confusing me today. <laughs> but that's just the nature of things, as as it's working out today. Right now, uh, if you're looking around, you might say to yourself, "Wow, civilization is unraveling, isn't it?" Yeah. And I, I touched on it in the last hour. This uh, this this civil war thing. Is that actually possible? Now, you know, I uh, you know. Let, let, let's let's look at a, a book called "Dog Dog Soldiers" by James Tarr. In it, you got this kid Jason, a sixteen-year-old wannabe rebel, too young to remember America before the war, but he knows evil when he sees it. So he jo- he decides to join the resistance and finds a place in a ragtag squad known as Theodore. The men aren't what he expected. They're all beaten and withered and old, more like starving refugees than soldiers, and you find out it's. You know, it's an accountant and a plumber and a truck driver and an insurance man. Because in a civil war, you get what you get. But these guys all have one thing in common. They're tough and they have the survival instinct. And that's important because the army has a price on their heads and a vastly superior arsenal, including tanks and air assets. And the wretched conditions weed out the infirm. There are no gender studies majors and no diversity consultants. And a week into Jason's tenure, they embark on a behind-enemy-lines mission. Some would call it a suicide mission. They trek through decaying neighborhoods and the civilization that is waning. They encounter high-trust communities where, you know, strangers are not welcome, and crazed lone wolves surviving by wit and guile and occasional cannibalism. And everywhere, we're reminded America was once a real country with ballparks and pools and ice rinks. They have a motley array of weaponry, and they're burdened with heavy packs, and they jump over fences, sneak behind abandoned houses. Danger at every turn. Everywhere is a combat zone. And finally, they make their assault on the infamous Blue Zone, where the government functionaries and the Army brass enjoy a semblance of life. They got power and water, and they get to pretend there's not a savage war raging around them. And there's also informants, a key element of the squad's master plan. This is what real civil war would be like. It's hell on earth, food, water, and ammo are king. There's no selfies. There's no Instagram moments. You got two things you're fighting. You're fighting starvation and violent threat. Those are constant or violent death. Excuse me. They, and you know, in in the book. The old men, the old tough men, they reflect on how they got there. Gun bans and curfews and martial law. And then troublemakers began to disappear because the boot was now on the neck of the people. But then the government began to encounter stubborn resistance like desertions and defections and sabotage. And it seemed like everybody had a gun suddenly and a desperate willingness to attack authority. Then the militias began to form where people were forced to choose a side very carefully because the government was ruthless and choosing to resist was a treacherous thing to do to them and a massive leap for anyone who until that point had led a lawful, lawful life. and you get you get a uh, you get a literary crash course on urban guerrilla warfare and you get to watch jason more from an innocent teen to a jaded warrior schooled by terror and loss and there's no time to grieve the fallen these men have to use the horrors of war to stoke a white hot hatred for the enemy because they got to kill them they're not out there trying to debate them or anything. This is this is the real deal. And, you know, pretty close. There's a, you know, there's there's a lack of race realism within the book. Um and and for the reason I find that not to be realistic is because of the ID politics that have been stoked. There's a lot of people that are not very not very read in, not very critical thinking when it comes to certain things, and they they believe that race is a thing. Now, in the book, black and white people coexist on both sides. And maybe, I guess, Civil War would wash over racial hostility. The division would shift from racial to political, or political, I'm sorry. But that's one of those poignant books you look at. You can see how diabolical diabolical people can be when they're determined to kill an enemy. Tar displays Clancy-esque knowledge of weapons and all things military, including near future weapons. And the prose is tight. Tar uses a point of view and that changes and it works pretty good. So is this a cautionary tale? Or depiction of the inevitable is this art imitating life or art trying to show what life would be like and how do we go from a middle-class paradise to war-torn hellhole in a few short decades a lot of people get out there and especially when i'm here i get I, i get hammered because bill you concentrate too much on guns when they start trying to confiscate guns Things are going very much sideways. The nature of man has not changed at all. You can vote your way into communism, but you have to shoot your way out of it. So, if any of you out there (laughs) ever sits around and um, ever sits around and sort of wistfully thinks, wow, we need to set things right here in the United States. We do need to set things right. And the, the, that should be the last thing we move to is a civil war. We should avoid that at all costs. Although I, I found something out, uh, I was at a friend's funeral this past weekend and, uh, there was an honor guard there, air force. And the honor guard were in their dress uniforms and yet they were allowed to show jewelry. And I I called my old Sergeant who went from the army to the air force and asked him, Hey, is this actually within regulations to, to do like that? I mean, is it, has it just changed that much to where the appearance of the military has changed with these times? And he told me, yeah, that was legal, legal. So, you know. I don't know how bad a a civil war would be for those kinds of combatants, but we definitely should avoid that at all costs. Now, when we get back, we're going to talk about how, you know, the problem with fantasizing, not what you think. You're listening to 106.3 W.O.R.D. The Ingalls Market Talk line is one 1063 The Common Sense Retirement Planning text line is seven one three zero seven. For those of you that are missing Vince, Vince will be back tomorrow, as far as I, I understand. So, um, as I, I, I'm, I'm a tail end of the baby boom, so I'm a boomer, and when I was when I was, uh, when, when we had children and everything, two boys, uh, I got to see as video 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 games became popular. So, you know, I got, uh, I got my son's uh, Nintendo console. And they got to fantasize about doing things by living sort of through these video games. When I was younger now, if we wanted to play war, we, we would uh, use just about anything, a, a, a rake or shovel handle, whatever. That was the gun. And i lived in columbia south carolina so there was this constant flow of army surplus around so i could even get a a, a oversized you know shirt that would be like an overcoat for me but i'd put that on just to to help with that fantasy if you look at video games today all of them designed to create every effort to kill Figuratively, the other players. They've also removed any sense of reality. Some games are a little more realistic, like Call of Duty, Fortnite is the one I was just referencing. But uh, you know, whether it's firing a rocket-propelled grenade launcher that has a pumpkin head at the end of it as your opponent repeatedly to hit the walls of a building enough times with a knife and it magically is destroyed. Well, the endless options you have to design your character with avatars that look like a cross between a character from the outer limits to a drag queen superstar, it's fantasy. Now, nobody should ever get out there, nobody that thinks and think that a video game should marry real life. The popularity of this game falls, however, in a bigger picture that resembles an overall infatuation with everything not real in our country, especially involving the younger generations. And right now we have real problems going on in the world at large that will have life or death consequences for many people for years to come. We have generations of Americans now that don't possess the necessary sense of reality to deal with any of it or a desire to obtain a sense of reality. And I wonder how many young people might read that Russia just launched a ballistic nuclear weapon on their TikTok account and just keep flipping until they get to the video of the latest YouTube star playing pranks. Another form of fantasy that affects young people is identity fantasy. And the most well-known of these, of course, is gender fluidity that completely discards scientific and biological fact in favor of a mental and emotional sickness that encourages somebody to believe that they can change their gender as easily as Aunt Martha changed her hair color. And you might think that this would be bad enough for our society, yet another form of identity, absurdity, can be found with an increasingly popular furries identification, identifying as an animal. (laughs) And that has resulted in at least one school putting a litter box in a unisex bathroom to accommodate a student who identifies as a cat. And interestingly, interestingly, the U.S. is the epicenter for much of this insanity. It is not the only place that it is happening, though. The BBC in England just allowed a transgender activist to strip completely naked on TV and play a piano with his sexual reproductive system and let the show go on. This is why I don't watch television. In Japan, the latest craze is adult men keeping dolls, not just for pleasures of the flesh, but as companions with new outfits each day and walks in the park to sit on the bench together. How sad is that? What happens if your girlfriend develops a hole on her elbow? There are a lot of reasons for all of this, but probably the greatest is the breakdown of the family. There's a lot of people that would attribute gender fluidity to immature and naive young people who are getting sucked in by an online cult, which is the maturity of their parents. You know, where where are they at who sit idly by making excuses for the situation under the notion of this is just a phase I grow out of or I want to give them their space. Where's the parents who have the feeling that something is wrong and they're taking the easy right instead of the hard left to put their foot down on these young people, which, by the way, is the job. Of being a parent. Then we have the internet and uh, the internet is a remarkable thing, a remarkable thing. And it, I mean uh, it's, it's being delivered to us now from space with the, Elon Musk's uh, internet system. Very convenient. Completely put the Encyclopedia Britannica out to pasture. Nobody has to buy that anymore. And despite all this convenience, though, it is contributing substantially to the failure to grasp reality. And the battle to bring back reality has just begun, and it's not going to be easy. Now, we could get out there and just sprinkle a bunch of cars with straight drive transmissions and put a bunch of rotary phones in the house and see how the young people deal with that. We could do that. We could make everything in cursive now (laughs) and see who could read that. But it's going to be an uphill fight. Every entity from corporate media to politicians are taking full advantage of the popularity that comes from fantasy and using it to their benefit. Children be damned. The reality that comes from gender transition won't set in for some time until the hurt from family members is discovered and the bill from lawsuits arrives for those performing the counseling and the surgeries. And unfortunately, there will probably be very little accountability for those in the media cheering this on. They'll just simply move on to the next fantasy, the next topic. And in the meantime, maybe we can make a video game that deals only with reality, but it would be a pretty short game since to win, you would have to turn the damn thing off and put your phone away and start learning to do a few things that comes from living and experiencing real life. We have got to get away from the escape. See in the old days, the escapism was movies and sports that was the escape we would go and you know it was it it was quite the thing to be able to you know I existed in a time when the LA Rams had a front fork they called the fearsome foursome they had a quarterback named Roman Gabriel everybody watched him referred to him as the Roman he wasn't particularly that good he could throw a really tight spiral but I mean in that time he was you know in the 60s, when you only got to see him like occasionally, he was like a superhero. If you got his football card, that was great. That was a great thing. You were you were the envy. And there were a lot of guys like that. A lot of guys. I lived in the era when Gale Sayers was still running the football. I lived in the era when Dick Butkus was the most feared man on the planet. John Wayne was making movies. And none of these things had any particular social impact as other than to give us some escapism from real life. And real life was all around us. In the 60s, we had just come out of Korea, and we were now in the middle of Vietnam. A lot of people, a lot of young people were getting drafted. A lot of young men were getting drafted. We did have the Summer of Love and protests and a, a bunch of other things happening then, but everything was... It was all about reality. We got to get back to living in a world of reality. When we get back, a lot of people are going to be choosing their wallets in this election. And this is going to surprise some of the elites. You're listening to 106.3 W.O.R.D. Ingalls Market Talk line is 1-800-347-1063. The Common Sense Retirement Planning text line is 71307. I remember when I got into radio and I was in, I I was at a station in Columbia, South Carolina, and uh, I had never really been immersed so much in politics before. With the exception of what I listened to here at R- with Russ Castle, right? Ralph Bristol back in those days. And um, I learned after a short period of time that you better develop a sense of humor if you're going to get into political commentary, or you were going to hang yourself from an overpass. So I I, I, uh, <laughs> I saw this the other day. A guy named Tom Nichols, he opened up his essay with races in the midterm are tightening up, but everyone who cares about democracy should resist the urge to turn the election into a referendum on inflation. Hmm. Well, you know, after we got to see old Fetterman's performance, or maybe I should say discombobulated appearance, because he opened the debate with, hi, good night, everybody. How about making this an election a referendum on the bottomed-out political standard, which sees the apparently viable candidacy of a stroked-out zombie like Fetterman, who says, I do not believe in supporting the Supreme Court? Or how about a referendum, given the egregious failure of the FBI, an institution that hasn't been good since Efren Zimbalist played the lead agent? They have failed to properly investigate and prosecute the alleged crimes on Hunter Biden's laptop. How about we make these midterms a referendum on the government corruption that's usually a part and parcel of a banana republic, or a mafia state like Ukraine, but should be unheard of in a country with a divine foundation like these United States. Maybe, since the left can't keep their predatory and grotesque claws off of precious children, we turn this election into a referendum on the loud and proud baby-murder platform to which they cling, the pornographic school curricula they promote, the drag culture they're trying to shove down our throats or the sexual mutilation they protect under the banner of gender-affirming health care. <laughs> Might be nice for Mr. Nichols, who wrote this, who resides in Middletown, Rhode Island, a luxurious and idyllic coastal enclave where 0 percent of the population lives in poverty, To decree from his ivory tower that we plebe should... We need to consider the ramifications of voting out Democrats before we make choices based on the cost of living crisis for which they are overwhelmingly responsible. And I know that President Trump signed omnibus spending bills, but he also implemented policies, both foreign and domestic, that were able to mitigate a majority of the unchecked spending. You know, you're spending seven bucks for eggs now, you used to spend three. And Mr. Nichols, given your incredible obtuseness, I'll say what shouldn't need to be said. We have weighed the consequences of a Republican-controlled Congress, which is exactly why we're voting that way. Polls show that any leads the Democrats had are slipping. Betting markets are exploding in favor of Oz. Lee Zeldin might actually eject crime lover Kathy Hochul, and Tudor Dixon thrashed Michigan's Jezebel Light, Gretchen Whitmer. We don't want federal agents kicking in our doors like they did to President Trump because we're political dissidents to the regime. And that's what this is. A regime. This is not an administration. We don't want our children trans behind our backs and we certainly don't want to live under financial slavery. And apparently these concepts seem to elude the most academic of the leftist elites. Maybe campaigning on turning the U.S. into Sodom was a bad idea. But then there's Matt Walsh. I, I, Matt Walsh is funny. He's funny, but he's, he, he's, he's, he's on point. <laughs> he put on Twitter, The Democrats have settled on their closing argument vote for us so we can castrate children use your money to pay for abortions and put pornography in the schools if you don't vote for us then you are a nazi and democracy will die that's a fascinating political strategy and we can actually acquiesce to mr nichols request because it's not just inflation it's all the other aforementioned emergencies that i just said uh we can consider this election to simply be a referendum on the Democrat agenda as a whole. The Democrats have become cultists. They exist in an enormous echo chamber where only the chimes of consensus are permitted. Whenever any members state inconvenient truths, they are walloped with a metaphorical stick and compelled to fall in line. Fetterman is a good example. He's a good example. Anybody that watched that debate knows that Fetterman was cognitive, cognitively impaired. He had serious problems, comprehending questions and constructing basic sentences in reply. This wasn't a poor performance. It was indisputable non-performance. And initially they conceded the mainstream media. They conceded that he was seriously diminished. Even and NBC's turncoat Republican, Joe Scarborough accepted that voters will be concerned about his uh, performance. Or he said so on Twitter. Charlotte Adler at one of the Times, I guess Charlotte Times? No, not Charlotte Times. I guess maybe the New York Times. She conceded that he fared poorly. Democrat, uh, Democratic mouthpiece of the Washington Post said he, it was a bad night. But before we could celebrate the rare occasion of the media being factual, they reverted back to their Democrat talking points. Like Daily Beast columnist Matt Lewis claiming that the practice of debates is obsolete. This is the same Lewis who once called Fetterman and Oz two rich phonies playing populism. Lewis also claimed Fetterman could earn pity points owing to his condition while Oz looked like a bully. Here's the thing Who cares? If somebody's running for office and they can't execute the office, they're perpetrating a fraud. They're trying. This is a conspiracy to commit fraud. Anybody that votes for somebody like Fetterman is, uh, they're having their, they're throwing their vote away. Even uh, you know, President showers a lot. He he got out there and, and and gave away for some reason. Apparently, his wife, Fetterman's wife, would be a great senator sort of like I guess in the vein of a uh, Hillary Pantsuit Clinton. So, you know, it's going to be a referendum on the Democrats and it's going to be a referendum on their agenda so they can they can stick it. Hope it's painful as it as it goes in. <laughs> That's bad, isn't it? When we get back, we're going to talk about the murder turtle for a minute. You're listening to 106.3 WORD. All right. One more time, shall we? Ingalls Market's talk line is 1-800-347-1063. The Common Sense Retirement Planning text line is 71307. We're in the middle of, I mean, across the nation. The the Senate is very important. We need to take back the Senate. just, uh, just, Just because. We need to take back the House and defund everything. But we need to take back the Senate. And in the middle of this is Mitch McConnell. He is the minority leader. He would be the majority leader. He needs to be put to pasture because he's not performing. He's not acting. And the latest example of this is a neck-and-neck race in the New Hampshire Senate seat held by Democrat pro-abort Maggie Hassan. Mitch McConnell's super PAC, the Senate Leadership Fund, has pulled all advertising money for Republican Dan Bulldog. Now, there's a a big reason for this, but Bulldog started the race as a long shot, and he's within the margin of error based on his message's strength, and his campaign energy. So why has McConnell passed on a chance to add another GOP senator? Well, according to the Federalists, it's because Bulldog is likely to be a pain in McConnell's fourth point of contact rather than the toadying sycophant that McConnell seems to promote. And we get this. On Friday, McConnell Super PAC, the Senate Leadership Fund, pulled $5.6 million from New Hampshire's Republican Senate candidate Dan, Don Bulldog. The cash withdrawal came two days before he gave an interview with Politico, maintaining his opposition to McConnell for another term in leadership. He said, I have said no to that question, and I'm not backing off. The question was presented after McConnell's super PAC had pledged a $23 million investment in the toss-up Senate race against Democrat incumbent Maggie Hassan. But Bulldog, whom the Washington establishment opposed during the Republican primary, refused to kiss the ring of the incumbent minority leader. His campaign will now pay nearly $6 million for it in canceled spending from McConnell. Now, Bulldog isn't the only victim of McConnell's I'd rather be Senate minority leader than have people disagree with me strategy. They've also pulled money from Blake Masters after he criticized the national GOP establishment in Arizona. And Blake Masters is a masterful debater. I don't, uh, you know, he, he, he uh, tore Mark Kelly all over the place. And we get this establishment. Republicans tend to be a little bit too disconnected from the people. I see this, especially in the Senate, he said. You stack a few six-year terms and suddenly you're too disconnected from American life and what working class and middle class people are feeling. They live in a bubble and the America first groundswell happened because establishment Republicans are out of touch. Can we say Lindsey Graham? (laughs) Now McConnell has campaigned for masters in Arizona, but this is, you know, this is going to be seen for what it is. This is damage control. His personal touch is not worth the $18 million they pulled out of Arizona. Now, also going on right now, actively, is McConnell is supporting the campaign of Queasling Lisa Murkowski against the Alaska GOP-endorsed nominee Kelly Shibaka. And the Alaska GOP has censured McConnell for divisive and misleading statements. Now, even though there's no known document that threatens candidates with loss of support if they're critical of McConnell's leadership, it doesn't take any great leap of imagination to see that linkage could exist. Now, while his super PAC prematurely pulled out of the New Hampshire and Arizona races has had little impact as other PACs have stepped in and filled the gap, in some cases, uh, McConnell meddling and trying to uh, get Mar- Boost Murkowski in Alaska may help Shibaka more than Murkowski. None of that matters. None of this matters. That What matters is that Mitch McConnell has decided that a Senate majority doesn't matter unless that majority tows McConnell's line. Now, in the past, I have looked at the Myrtle Turtle and uh, I have said, uh, you know, This is a political knife fighter, a political knife fighter. He has done some things that were great. When Obama had a chance to put Merrick Garland in the Supreme Court, he said no. And when uh, it, it, it came to Trump having a chance to put a third nominee in the Supreme Court, he said yes. And we have some really good things happening out of the Supreme Court. As a matter of fact, the Supreme Court is the only thing owned, sort of, by conservatives everything else belongs to the left but it's almost like mitch mcconnell has gotten to this point where i you know he he he's like the don <laughs> extending the ring out kiss the ring ah uh, don murder turtle listen I, I i just want you i just want your blessing on this before i move you know that kind of thing this is not the way this is supposed to be McConnell needs to be out there. He needs to be throwing, I mean, he needs to be throwing this money around and and getting control. He needs to have control. And they need, and then we need to hang on to this control. They need to actually perform. They need to perform now. And then when the next Republican president comes up and they're still in charge, they need to work with the president. Whether it's Trump or whether it's DeSantis. Mr. Coakley will be back tomorrow, so uh, you know, stay tuned for that. Coming up next, Dana Lash. You're listening to 106.3 W O R D.
0: We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty-five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty-five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch.